0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have once you give us a call. Our number is 291 And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. Last week we had some technical difficulty. Phones weren't working. I right. Hadn't, I said we kept on asking people for calls. and didn't get in. I'm like, wow, what's going on here? <laughs> Finally, the show was over. We checked. The lines weren't working. There but, you go. Uh, They are working today, as far as I can tell, so we'll give a call. We'll put you up to the top of the list, get your questions answered for you. Anything from last week or this week. There you go. This week, we got an email from a gentleman, and I hope I don't murder your name, but it's, I'm going to say Suliveros, and he was asking, he's from Florida, he was asking about the recall on On the the Hyundai and the Kia that broke out in the news this week. Right. It's kind of a shame that it it actually had to come to where it's at now. Mm Mm-hmm. But Kia had some trouble with the manufacturing process, I imagine, on their, some of their engines in the Sorentos, the Optima, and I think the Sportage. Right. What had happened is they had some debris that got left in the crankshaft journals mm-hmm. when they were machined in the oil passages, and after driving the vehicle for so long, they just kind of worked their way out, ended up tearing up the rod bearings, and Kia made a recall to replace the engines in those vehicles right and you know that's kind of goes back to what we've advised and that's when you get a new vehicle to change the oil pretty quick the first time and of course oh that's not necessary spotlessly clean yeah yeah, yeah. no right. it's not <laughs> i mean I, i've seen the insides of those engines before and they are very dirty inside so mm-hmm. if i buy a new engine or like i, I recommend I, get the oil changed early right i always like to change my oil the first time around somewhere around 1, 1500 miles right and then from there based on how, how it's I, driven yeah how i drive the car drive the car but i've heard that story over and again about man these engines are clean you don't need to change at all but i keep seeing things like this yeah. where some debris left in the engine and calls yak 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 well but, even even new engines new vehicles we get into the first oil change right on. you pull the filter off and cut it open and there is an, an imaginable amount of debris in that filter mm-hmm. so like you said changing it early really helps prolong the life of some of those engines can't possibly hurt but what they were saying is that this debris got in took out the rod bearing so they did recall these vehicles to replace the the engines in them Uh uh-huh and that's where the issue came out now they're not being clear about exactly how this happened they kind of allude to the fact that the technicians didn't do the job right Uh uh-huh and i find that hard to believe my personal Belief and right. this is just me is they probably did not send a new Hose. high pressure fuel line, which I've always heard you replace that every time you have the engine apart. You well, always sure. replace that high pressure line and high pressure pump to the direct injection. But be that as it may, the line is leaking. Gas can get into the engine, get on something hot, and catch fire. So that's why the recall. So if you've had Another An engine. engine replaced, and you need to check and see if you're under the recall. Right. I think Kia yeah. recalled sixty eight thousand, and Hyundai believe was a hundred thousand, but that was only a percentage of them. They didn't recall them all. So apparently, no. at some point, maybe they started changing the pipe or realized they had a problem. Yeah, a or, or problem was happening, and and they did change those parts to fix it while the process was going on. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little all bit right. more about that. Let's catch a couple of these phone calls we got. We go in phone lines. With Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good
1: morning, Louis. Yes, sir. Uh, Got a 06 Dodge Ram 1500, mm-hmm. 5.7 engine. Yes, sir. I've got a, a check engine light, and that describes a P0058. Okay. And it's something to do with the heaters on the O2 sensor. Okay. I checked the resistance of the of the heater. Uh uh-huh. Of really all four uh, O2 sensors, and all of them had had resistance. Yes, sir. Hmm. So I'm still getting. I'm trying to try to uh, erase the code cool and well that going.
0: you can do that but it's gonna come right back right. see what that is saying is that there's a circuit code on the heater circuit now that does not mean the sensor is bad okay that could be anything from the relay that fires the sensors to the computer itself not sending the signal to the sensors even something like an exhaust leak or if someone has messed with the exhaust and changed out the the mufflers or something to a high flow muffler and the air is running too fast mm-hmm. basically what it does is that it gives it so long for that sensor to reach a certain temperature. And if it doesn't reach that temperature, it's going to flag that code. Right. And, of course, what most people want to do is go screw a new sensor in there, but that's not really what it's saying. So, I mean, I would be looking for anything like a any kind of exhaust leak on the vehicle because if any cold air leaks into that system, it's going to screw that up bad. Especially ahead of that sensor. Yeah. And, I mean, if, if like, the exhaust has been modified at all, like it had single exhaust, you went to dual exhaust or anything like that, anybody put no, headers no. on or anything. Right. In this case, no. No. Yeah, if everything is completely stocked, the next thing I'd want to do is to put, like, a voltmeter across the circuit when the thing is cold, crank it up, and make sure you're getting power to the heaters.
2: got
0: you. See, because it's got, I think, a relay, and I'd have to have a wiring diagram in front. Most of them have a relay that fires those sensors. The relay could be bad, and I've even seen the PCM go bad and not send a signal to the relay. Uh, and some of them have fuses in them as well. So there's, it's going to be something in the circuit. You have to get a wiring diagram, see how that circuit works, and then trace back up. And I guess to verify that, you can put a voltmeter across the, the sensor, the heater circuit and see if you got voltage running to it when the engine's cold. Okay, sure. If you don't, then you got to start tracing up and see where it stops. Ooh, yeah, nothing's easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: good. Well, I guess at this point on right now, just check, like I said, check the voltage right going to, to the heater
0: circuit right exactly and i mean if it gets to where it's uh, too far over your head i'm sure you could take it to a shop and have them check it wouldn't cost a whole lot the advantage that a shop would have if they've got a chrysler type scan tool you could plug in it'll do all that for you it just goes through the wiring circuit it'll check command from the computer it'll check that voltage is reaching it'll tell you you know if you don't have a chrysler type scan tool you can't do that mm-hmm. you've got to do it all manually it just takes a lot more time right and with that tool you can also watch the heaters heat up and see if one of them's heating up faster or slower right. than the other three, okay. which will also set a code. So you could have some carbon buildup <clears> or something <throat> on the sensor, and maybe getting hot is just taking too long to get hot, and resistance would be perfect on it.
1: Well, kind of limited that, because I did buy an O2 sensor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, before it took, took my old one out, I just checked the resistance, Now I did have resistance on it.
0: Right, but mm-hmm. you can have the right resistance, see, and the airflow is not getting to it. Okay. So the temperature could be wrong. I tell you, if they're the same side to side... You might try swapping them left and right and see if the code moves to the other side. Okay, that would good. be an easy way to to verify it. And I mean, if you swap them side to side, if they're the same and the, the code doesn't move, then you know you got something in your circuit. it's, it's not right. the sensor? I got you. All righty.
1: Okay, appreciate it. Okay, you. Paul. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Right. Bye bye. saints. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All <laughs> right, we're going back to our phone lines, and we've got David online. Good morning, David.
1: Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, good. sir. Right. I've got a sixteen CRV. Uh huh. And a seventeen escape. Okay. And that's seventy thousand on the, the Honda. About twenty five on the escape. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was told that do not ever flush the transmission, just drain it and put a filter in it. That is correct. And deal Okay, so dealers keep trying to flush it.
0: Right. Well they make a lot of money flushing it.
3: Okay. It's a lot right.
0: easier to flush than it is to do a proper service. See, okay. when you flush it, all you do is take the cooler line loose and you're pumping some of the fluid out and you're pumping some more fluid in now Mm -hmm. the the problem with that and most people don't understand this but a transmission is not like a linear circuit it's got a branch circuit kind of like a tree and there's the pump is picking up the fluid most of it's going through the regulator and dumping right back in the pan okay some of it's going out to the torque converter some of it's going out to the lubrication circuits some of it's going out to the clutches it's going all kind of places what they're doing is taking one line And they're opening that, and they're taking a small part of the fluid out, and they're dumping it back into the pan with the dirty fluid. Uh So you are not getting a small percentage of the fluid out when you do that. But the worst thing is you're stirring up any trash that's in there, which is going into the filter because the motor's running when they're doing it. So you could actually restrict the filter. That is not a proper service. A proper service is to drop the pan if it has one, drain it, replace the filter, put the pan back on, refill it. That's a proper service. But that's now, on your awesome. Honda, you're not going to have a no. removable pan, so what you have to do is what's called double drain and fill. What you do there is you run it, get it warm, pull the plug out, drain it, refill it, run it about 20 minutes, and do it again immediately. And mm-hmm. what happens there is that when you turn it off after it's been running, the fluid's going to run back through the filter, and it tends to wash some of the debris out. If you drain it immediately, you can get it out. And that's the proper way to service that vehicle. And I would gotcha. definitely be doing it. In fact, if it was mine, I'd have done it a little bit sooner, but I would definitely be It's not too late now. I'd definitely be doing it now. And you get, make sure you use the correct fluid yeah, for get, the unit. Buy the fluid from Honda. Go to Honda and buy the DW1 Honda fluid for it. Right. Or if it's a CV, uh, CVT. CVT, you got to buy the CVT fluid. Yeah. But don't use any aftermarket fluid, even if it says compatible, because I've had trouble well, with I, that.
1: Yeah, I've had it done twice at the mm-hmm. dealer, but okay. not, I wouldn't let them flush it. I just said drain it and Perfect. Put filter
0: on mm-hmm. it. Perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to part of our Automotive 5 we'd love to have you. And we've got Jimmy online. Good morning, Jimmy.
1: Hey, good morning, Lewis. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. My uh, my daughter just bought a used 2012 Mazda CX-9. Mm-hmm. Got the V6 engine in yes, it. Yes, sir. It's got a little over 100,000 miles on it. The Carfax has showed where it's had the oil changed on it reasonably regularly. Mm-hmm. But I, was, uh, I told her to take the vehicle to y'all. Mm-hmm. Get the transmission serviced, coolant changed, and put a set of plugs in it. Is mm-hmm. there anything else that you know of on this this little truck uh, that's inherently problems with it? Did Jimmy, the, the only way to done? know
0: that would be to do a general inspection so you can see what has been done on it, what hadn't been done on it, and what's needing to be done. So what I would do is get it, bring it in, do a general inspection. I can make a complete list. And what I could do beyond that is like I say, okay, this needs to be done right now. This is due probably the next three months. This is due in the next year. And this is coming up down the road. I can prioritize that list for. Her. Because right. like most kids that age, they probably don't have an unlimited amount of money. So, you know, that would be the best way to go. The thing is no two of them are going to need the same things. It just depends on how it was operated. You know, one of them at that mile is going to need brakes because whoever had it drove 100% in town and was heck on wheels on the brakes. Another one was all highway driving. The brakes look like brand new. And the same thing with every other part of the car. One of them lived on a dirt road, so all the filters are plugged up. The other one did nothing but highway drives, so all the filters are perfect on it. You know, it just depends. It's not like one set of things you're going to do at a certain mileage. You're going to have to inspect the car and see. The things you mentioned at that mileage, I would definitely do. But beyond that, I would have a general inspection done on it, and that way you'll know you know, what other things are necessary. That way you're not overlooking anything critical that's going to cause problems down the road.
1: Okay, so uh, I'm gonna when she brings it to you, I'm gonna, I'll have that inspection done. But also, is there anything on this on this Mazda CX-9 that, that's, that's inherent? That, uh, Man, they have all
0: kinds of problems, those little things. Jimmy, the, the transmissions go out a lot on them, so I would definitely be doing transmission service on it and seeing what that is. They also have a lot of trouble with the power windows and the power door locks on them. We change those constantly if it hadn't already been done. I mean, it's not one of my favorite cars. I'm not going to say it's horrible, but it's not one of my favorites. They, they have a, a number of different issues with them. All right. And if they're taken care of, like anything else, they're going to last longer. If they're not taken care of, you know, are not going to last as good. So. All right. Thank you. All right, Jim. Thank I you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. I right, We'll take one more or take a quick little break. Gene, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Hello. You must be Glenda
3: de Goodrich. Uh Relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance and let you know about future repairs. That way, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Albizan. This is the Brian Terry. Hey, Turing tools we we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have, give us a call. 291 And that's what Gene did. Good morning, Gene. Thanks for holding.
2: Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Doing great, uh, great. Uh, My question is, I got in a car wreck, and when the lady pushed me off the road, I hit a curb, and my engine motor mount broke. Okay. But the insurance company said that that couldn't cause that. So what's your opinion?
0: Of course it could. Sure. Yeah. Said that it,
2: it could have went out two weeks from now or a month
0: from now. Well, it could, it could have, have, but who's to say? I mean, you know, it, it got pushed off the road and over a curb. The weight of the engine is going to lunge to one side just from inertia if nothing else. I mean, you'd have to look at it, and if it looks fairly fresh, I mean, if you look at it, and obviously it's been broke for a long, long, long time, and this happened two weeks ago, then you could conclude that it was already broken before the wreck. But, I mean, if the question is could it happen, absolutely it could. Did it happen? You know, you'd have to inspect it and see. Well,
2: it didn't vibrate before. Mm-hmm. And now it
0: well, flies. I would just, I would, yeah, yeah. I, and I would bring that up, say, look, I did not have this vibration in my car prior to this wreck. Certainly this could have happened. I'm not saying, you know, I wasn't looking under the car hood when it happened, but it, I did not have these symptoms before. So I want this okay. vibration fixed, whatever that takes. It wasn't vibrating before. Your, your, your responsibility is to put my car in a pre-accident condition, and it wasn't vibrating before the accident. So, therefore, whatever you have to do to fit to do that, that's what needs to be done. Well, because
2: I paid for it already, and it cost me, like, I don't know, right at 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're... What denied. did the mechanic
0: that changed it say?
2: He couldn't conclude that it happened. Okay. He said he can't prove it.
0: Yeah, and well, I- that's going to take some little bit of force out of the argument. Normally, if the guy changing it says, yeah, this looks like fresh damage, they're going to cover it if he's saying he doesn't know or whatever. I mean, I would go back and just ask him... Point blank, say, "Hey, guy, look. I don't want to put you on the spot, but did this look like it just happened? Or did it looked like it was old stuff. Was it soaked at all? You know what caused it to fail? And if he has the old mount still, which you I might, do, I kept it. Yeah, look at it yourself. I mean, if it's all soaked at all and it looks like it's been broke a long time, you're probably out of luck. I mean, if it looks like a fresh tear and it's not soft, it's not deteriorated, then I think you'd have a pretty good arguing point. You know? Well,
2: the engine mount was changed eight months ago, and the previous owner thought." previous owner i called them and they said they changed it eight months ago okay and i you know i kept it it's not they, they had rust around the edges of it and he said that's the reason he said that
0: well rust doesn't happened. mean anything mm-hmm. what would tell you is the condition of the rubber if the rubber is clearly deteriorated you know for instance let's say they had an all leak on the car all ran on the rubber softened it up and it broke well yeah that happens but you could look at it and clearly tell that if the rubber looks like brand new but it's just clearly torn or severed you know, then that would lean more towards collision damage. Can I... I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Can you repeat that?
2: To y'all, the part, and let you look at it?
0: Yeah, I'll be glad to look at it, but I mean... The
2: mechanic is... and I'm not going to say the name of the company, yeah. and I didn't bring it to them. Mm-hmm. It's just when it got wrecked, the the body shop brought it to them. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. And so, and he's just really not a good... I didn't care for him. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can look at it and give you an opinion on it, but I'm not sure they're going to accept my opinion since I'm not involved in the transaction. You really probably need to go either back to the body shop or to the mechanic, and I would probably go to the body shop and say, look, you sent me to this guy, and I feel, you know, for these reasons, I did not have the vibration before. The mount had been changed before and get them involved because that body shop probably has a better relationship with the insurance company than anybody else is. They're not going to accept a whole lot of outside. Somebody who has nothing to do with transaction, they're not going to accept that as well as they would one of their preferred shops.
2: Okay, that sounds great. And I'm going to bring it up because I want y'all to tell me that, y'all's opinion, and then I'll go from there. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we could. I mean, it's not a bad idea to have the car inspected anyway just to make sure everything got taken care of that should have gotten taken care of in the accident, particularly when you're talking about suspension work because Body shops are real good at making things look right and making the paint match and all that. Not so much when it comes to suspension work. They generally form that out to somebody. And if the guy they formed it out to is not necessarily, like you said, the best guy around, it wouldn't really be a bad idea to have an inspection of the car just to make sure everything is, is done right. So
2: what I do is because when I do take a right turn and I turn hard, mm-hmm. it does make a lot of creaking noise from that right side where it hit that covert yeah so, it so
0: hard it blew the tire out and hit the rim yeah I man that's, that's pretty I'd severe have it here. Uh, yeah i'd have i'd have some probably get another opinion on it and just bring the report back whatever you find back to the body shop and say hey look this is seems to still be a problem i'd like you to have it taken care of
2: much gentlemen i appreciate you help okay man all thanks
0: right. a lot bye-bye all right is the number if you want to part of the automotive I we'd love to have you we were talking just a little bit about that recall on the Kia, the Kia and, and the Hyundais Hyundai and all that and uh-huh. kind of winding that up. But, again, if you've got a vehicle and you had the previous, on you know, as they put a motor in the car, right. then you certainly need to check and see because no one's been injured. But I think if I'm, right, six, they've had several fires. Six or seven cars have caught fire. Yeah. Total, uh, total loss. And just reading through the recall letter and all, it, it seems to – it time, looks like to me they're trying to blame this. So it, it may not have been torqued properly or it may not have been a a misaligned. You know, I every time I've ever put an engine in a car, I've always been told you replace the high-pressure fuel pipe. That mm-hmm. That's just an automatic because the thing's got a lot of pressure on right. it. If it doesn't seat perfectly, and I don't think I use them because it's kind of a torque-to-yield sort of assembly – and the fact that they said after a certain point the problem no longer exists tells me they probably started changing those pipes thereafter. That. That's not with the being engine. said. And I understand liability and all. It's easier to blame it on somebody else, some faceless entity right. than it is to assume, well, yeah, we were too cheap to supply a new <laughs> pipe with the engine. But And I'm not saying that happened. That's just kind of me looking at it from a mechanic standpoint. I know what happens <laughs> yeah yeah have seen all kinds of things Yeah, so go ahead and said, be sure you follow up on that another read another article and they were saying well highway traffic safety administration is shut down because of the government shutdown i'm not sure that's really a big factor i don't in believe my it opinion. is i mean i don't think they're updating the website like they should be because of the shutdown right. but the information is still there out, out there somewhere and it should be relatively easy to find right and i mean i don't know that having some bureaucrat sign off a piece of paper on it is really that (laughs) relative to what it costs us as taxpayers i'm not sure that's that big of a deal anyway but yeah you know a lot of people do not understand the differences in all the things where cars go back for a reason and recall is like a general word that kind of gets used a lot but a recall is technically a safety related concern exactly now there are mandated recalls that's where highway traffic safety administration has come in Observe something and demand it that the company take care of this. Then there are voluntary recalls, which this is. In mm-hmm. other words, the company says, hey, this could potentially could be a problem. We want to make it right. So it's a voluntary recall. But again, recall connotes a safety related problem. Now, this is different from a warranty extension or right. a policy adjustment where there's a problem a car company realizes hey there's a problem we want to do the right thing for instance toyota had the dashboards on some of their cars that were getting soft and and And, deteriorated. right that is not a recall because it's not a safety concern right that is a warranty extension or a policy adjustment Toyota is willing to go ahead and fix these cars because they know they made an inferior product. They Mm -hmm. want to get them fixed for you. They want your car right. That's right. So they're doing this voluntarily. Right. That is different from a recall. And the words kind of get mixed up. Now, you also have what they call technical service bulletins. This is where, from the data that comes back from the warranty process, they notice a certain problem exists, Mm -hmm. not a safety-related problem. And they'll issue a bulletin saying, hey, if you have these symptoms, look for this. That is not an admission of guilt. That is not something you're going to get for free. That is just, hey, if we've you have noticed, these problems, we've noticed this happens with some of these cars. And don't get mad at me and start hollering and screaming, well, it ought to be on the <laughs> Maybe it should, but Who it, knows? it's not. That is not a mandated free repair. That uh-huh. is something they're saying, hey, we got this problem, and look some, for this, do that. Sometimes they'll even put out an updated part to take care of that problem right. under that. Te- technical service bulletin but that is not necessarily going to be a free repair no. or a policy adjustment now beyond all of that you have what they call a class action suit mm-hmm. i know ford has been involved in a number of these several that's where they've got what the court decided was a defective product this happened with the intake manifolds on the four sixes right they used to split open right the they had a class action suit they lost the suit so they had to come back and fix the for a certain period of time and all that, same thing with the break-off spark plugs. They had that it was in their five fours and all, where the spark plugs would break off and you have to tear the motor down to get them out. Mm-hmm. They would reimburse a portion of that, but that's not a recall. That is they went to court, a group of people representing a class took Ford to court. Ford lost the case, and so, therefore, under the terms of the settlement,
3: they Ford would take care of take that. take care of
0: it. So, if you go in there and let's say the terms of the settlement was for eight years or – 80,000 miles, they'll take care. If you go in 81,000, you're out. You're done. You're yeah. done because this is a legal document, and it's going to go according. And I know it ain't right and all that, but that's just the way the law works. There's no extensions on it. There's none of this. You have to go by the terms of the agreement. Which was, wasn't there some reimbursement for the vehicles that had already been fixed? If you'd already had it fixed, you could apply for reimbursement right. of the charges. Again, under the time constraints and mileage uh-huh. constraints, that was part of the settlement. Right. So yeah, when the lawyers and all that go in and settle something, they put certain constraints on it to make it legally feasible. Sure. You can't say, hey, forever we'll and do ever, it, you're right. going to have to do that. There's generally going to be some kind of legal constraints. Within those terms, you could get reimbursement or get the repair done at a reduced cost or whatever the terms were. Hey, you got to take one more quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour.
3: Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr... voted supervillain, art nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, some days... I just want a garden. Hey, Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super-evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to AGCO for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know AGCO could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G-19 Thermonuclear Urban Assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the
0: place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand with Mr. Brian Terry. Sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you have a question or a comment, anything you'd like to add to the show, just give us a call. Take from the show. <laughs> give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get your question answered live today, you can always visit our website any time of the day or night and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. click the button. A little form is going to pop up with the vehicle you're working on or have the question with and a little block there for you to fill out your question and click the button and send it on into us hey it couldn't be any easier and i'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours sometime sooner just depending on where i happen to be in relation to the what, what day of the week it is what day of the week it is <laughs> Well, you know, I may answer those questions at, say, 7 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, and then if you send one in at 9 o'clock... It may be the next It may be a while before I go back and check again. Sure. I try at at night to go back and look again when I'm off, and when I'm at the shop, I answer them a little more often because I'm sitting there at the computer anyway, so I can check it more times, but it may be the next morning before I look at it, if it just misses that deadline of, of when I answer questions. So. And like I said, a lot of times in the afternoon, if I'm not busy, I will go back and check it a second time. But sometimes having having a life, <laughs> if my wife and I are going out to dinner with sure. friends or whatever, I'm not going to stop and go check my that's, email. that's why we got a 24-hour turnaround <laughs> instead of a 12-hour turnaround. That's right. That's right. You know, it's funny. You will see people and so many people who they're sitting there with a cell phone. and oh, yeah. They're constantly – and that's just not me. I know I'm old school, but I'm not going to allow – Electronics and all that stuff to interfere with my life. right I'm not going to sit there and, you know, you see a young couple came in the other day. We we're, were at Brennan's and this young man and lady walk in and they sit down at the table and both of them think I would phone. They're sitting there uh-huh. with, with their thumbs, clicking on. I mean, they might be talking to each I other. I don't know. Say. May have been texting <laughs> each other. But yeah, you know, I kind of I said, "Why'd you take her out, man? If you're not yeah. gonna talk to her, <laughs> exactly, why'd she, it's, it's just a different world, you know. It is. Who knows? Technology's I mean, who, taking who's over. Who's to say what's good, what's bad? I'm not making that point. Like I said, I'm the last guy on Earth probably doesn't have a cell phone, so <laughs> <laughs> who am I to say? <laughs> but anyway, like I said, you get that in, it will get answered to you in a prompt manner. There you go. And you know, we were talking a little bit about the recalls and all that. Uh-huh. And I think we've pretty much answered the majority of that sort of thing. Now, with a recall, mm-hmm. you can actually go to the, the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, Administration. website. Type, there's a place there you can put the VIN number of the vehicle that you've got Consider. a question about. Mm-hmm. Hit the button, and it will bring up any open recalls that are on that vehicle Right. that haven't, have not been done, is what I'm referring to as mm-hmm. open. You have that, and there's a couple of other sites that are also free. They kind of... Ask you to make a donation, but you don't Mm -hmm. have to. And the names don't come up. But there's a couple of other sites I've noticed that's not Highway Traffic Safety Administration, but have the same data. Right. Uh, And actually, some more data. There's one, it'll give you all the options on the car. Okay. As far as what size fuel tank you have, what's the gross vehicle weight, what's the towing capacity. It gives you a complete. Wonderful. I don't remember the name of the URL for that company, but I use it sometimes when I want to see a certain option, mm-hmm. if a vehicle has a certain option. It doesn't have every single one in there, but it's got quite a few of them. Right. And they do ask you to make a donation, but it's not mandatory. So let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Good yes, morning. Sir. Um, you were talking about recalls and things. Back in 07, GM had that airbag ignition problem. Mm-hmm. I was in one of the vehicles that had a wreck, and the airbag did not deploy. Mm -hmm. What caused it not to deploy? Paul,
0: I don't know off the top of my head. The one I'm thinking of, there was something in the ignition circuit, ignition switch that could cause problems, could make the vehicle die, and, again, the airbag and all is going to work through the ignition circuit. So if that were the one you're talking about, I mean, they've had so many different recalls. And most of the reba- uh, airbag recalls were not to do with not deploying. They were with debris inside the bag that could cause injuries or even death to the people of the bag deployed. Now, when you're in a collision, an airbag doesn't automatically deploy. There's a certain set criteria. For instance, the impact has to be more than 12 miles an hour at the instant of impact. And I know everybody says, well, I was doing 30 miles an hour. But you had your brakes on, and when you hit, it was probably – You know, it could have been below. Also, it has to be a certain number of degrees off center line. For instance, the airbag is effective on a direct frontal impact. So if you're hit sideways, the bag may not deploy. Now, on later model cars with the side bags, all that has changed. Right. But there's a bunch of different criteria. So to know why that one didn't deploy, you'd have to have the vehicle. And there's actually a black box on that vehicle that records what the car saw, why it deployed, why it didn't deploy, and all that. If you had that, you could plug a PM tool into it, you could retrieve that data, and you could find exactly why it didn't. But they don't deploy under every condition, you know. and, and it confuses people. You still expect it to wear your seatbelt. But, like, say, if you got hit 15 degrees off center, it may not deploy. Or if you got hit at 11 miles an hour, not 12 miles an hour, it may not deploy. Uh, there's lots yeah, got, and lots of things.
2: I was hit from, like, the center to the edge of the driver's side.
0: Yeah, off of center. Into me. Yeah, it probably was too far off center, so it wouldn't have deployed the driver's bag because the driver's bag is designed for a frontal impact. Now, like I said, a later model vehicle with de- side curtains and all the yeah. side bags would have deployed under all that the, condition. All that has well, actually, changed. Th-
2: this vehicle did have side airbags.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But again. I know everything
2: because I had just sold it to somebody mm-hmm. and I was on my way to put gas in it when it happened.
0: Yeah, you so just have to see the vehicle. the vehicle. Yeah, you just have to see yeah. the vehicle because, again, if you, what year model was it?
2: 2007
0: Saturn yeah. Ion. Back on an 07, it probably had the side post bags, but it probably did not have the side, true side airbags like they have now where it goes around the driver's window and all right, that the stuff. Curtain, they call it a curtain. Curtain bags. Curtain, uh, yeah. I don't think they had that on 07. It was something in the post up front, but again, it depends on the angle it was hit from, the speed it was hit, and all that. And the then severity. again, it could have been a malfunction, but without having the black box out of it, it's impossible to say. Right. Well,
2: it never got... And now I'm in that lawsuit
0: with, against GM. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, defects do happen. And from the lawsuits is where they get the data to force the recall. So yeah. who knows? I know we had a vehicle. It was a Chevy pickup from one of our fleet customers. This guy is just driving down the interstate. And another truck is right on the side of him. And all of a sudden, he heard a loud explosion. And bam, all the bags came out. He thought the guy hit him. And he pulls over. And the guy pulled over, too, because he heard the noise. And they look, and there is no impact to this vehicle whatsoever. There's not a scratch on it. And, I mean, GM sent three or four guys out, and they crowded around this thing. And I'm not sure whatever became of it, but these things just deployed for no reason. So, I mean, I guess stuff does happen. Had another case where a guy's car was sitting under his carport, and all the bags came out. And, of course, they said, well, maybe there was weather and lightning hit it, and they searched and there was no lightning in the area. I mean, it's a mechanical device, electronic mechanical device. Things can go wrong and do go wrong. Okay. All righty.
1: Just did i ask.
0: Okay, Thanks Paul. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want me to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. You know, airbags are probably one of the safer features that's ever been designed into a car. They've yeah. been researched to an nth degree. But like Paul was saying, things do go wrong. Sure. And that's why you never say, well, I've got airbags, so I'm not going to wear my seatbelt." Because a seatbelt is your primary means of protection. Always has been. Always has been, always will be. The airbag can help. If you don't have your seatbelt on, it may save your life. But that does not mean you don't wear a seatbelt or whatever. It's like all technologies. You know, my car, when you get too close to someone else, it'll apply the brakes and slow down. Mm -hmm. But I'm not counting on that. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to just put my foot to the floor and run up behind somebody and count on that technology taking care of. You still have the ultimate responsibility is and always will be with the driver sure and that's just the way it works technology is good it can help in a lot of cases particularly in instances where stuff happens so fast you don't have time to react and you know i find some of this technology though makes people less aware think it of does. what's going on i know when i when you and i both grew up you mm-hmm. actually had to drive that car yeah you know you had to pay attention you had to, and you still should be doing that today but With the technology out there, I just find some people don't. Well, with all the warning lights and all the dash, I find people do not check their all. They they assume some light is going to come on. But about once or twice, maybe three times a month, someone comes in and we check, and the engine's making noise. You check, and there's no oil in the engine. Right. Just ran completely out, especially with the extended oil changes. Well, let's say your car has four quarts of oil in it. And it burns a quart every thousand miles, which, which is, not, is in the limit right. from some manufacturers. And you're going 8,000 miles between all changes. Well, well at 6,000, yeah. Yeah. At, at four to 5,000 miles, you can you're probably run out all. And that happens over and over and over again. It and it's does. just, well, isn't there some kind of light, doesn't it? No. No. Well, some cars do. Some cars, some cars do, don't. but I mean, do you really want to run it three quarts low on yeah. a five quart system? Right we see it all the time yeah and it just seems like it's kind of those things more the devil gets more devil (laughs) but you know when you get a lot of this stuff people are lured kind of into a false sense of security i think in some cases you still have things you're supposed to check and that's why you get an owner's manual now it's about an inch and a half thick (laughs) it's to limit liability well yeah you're supposed to do this 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 and it's ridiculous because a lot of stuff no one's ever going to do but you know that's how they limit their liability sure. like, well you were supposed it, to do that's this. right you were supposed to read that manual mm-hmm. and then do everything in that manual which no literally nobody ever does that most of the time you go to that manual looking for something specific you know how does the radio work or how do you know how do you put the window down or you know something like that Maybe, what does this light mean right you know you get a tcs a light or whatever and you never heard of that before but yeah you still have to do what they call in under the law, I think they call it due diligence. Mm-hmm. You have to exercise care and, and so on. Is that you're driving a mechanical device? You have to look at your tires every once in a while because you've got to be cut in the sidewall and it's cut three quarters of the way through. There's no light that's going to check that. If it starts losing air, it may check that. But you can't check for a big cut or big bulge in the sidewall of the tire. And, of course, we could argue that tires shouldn't do that. Well, maybe they shouldn't, but sometimes they do. Yeah. You can have a defect. I mean, you can have, hit a could curb. Could have a on curb. Yeah. All kinds. Somebody might put too much air in. Who knows? Point is, you can't just drive it around, let the tire blow out, and expect someone else to, to take care of it. Take care of this. Yeah. It's one of those things, part of owning a car, just like checking the oil, checking all the other stuff, make sure that car is in a safe condition. Well, and for what vehicles cost these days? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a lot of money just to not take care of well and you know if you don't have the wherewithal to do these things or you don't care to do them you could take it to a shop sure. have a general inspection done and they will check all this stuff for you things like the age of the tires because if you don't use your car a lot you may have if your car may be seven eight nine ten years old only have 25 30, miles right still, tires have a lot may of still look like brand new but now they're eight nine ten years old they're not safe to be operated mm-hmm when this tire comes apart, again, there's not a warning light that says the tire's too old. Right. It's, at very least, it's going to start losing air. Most of the time, they blow out because they get hot and the glue separates, the belts separate, and it just blows out when you're traveling 70 miles an hour down the interstate. Right. Which is dangerous not only to you, but, but to all the other folks on the interstate, whoever's around. But here. again, this comes under your responsibility to check your car and make sure it is in a safe condition. If you don't want or cannot do that, then it's your responsibility to take it to someone who Who can do this inspection for you. Yep. You know, driving is not a constitutionally granted privilege. It's not a right. It is a privilege rather than a right. So with privileges, with all privileges, come responsibilities. (laughs) It's sort of like your driver's license. That is a privilege. It can be revoked under certain conditions. Mm -hmm. If you do not have proper eyesight, then you just can't drive this car. Your eyesight has to be corrected, or you have to have someone else drive the car because eyesight is necessary to drive sure. the automobile. If you are convicted of a DWI, you may lose your driving privilege for a period of time. Sure. If you get enough of them, you may lose your driving privileges forever. Uh-huh. Who knows? But again, the fact is, all these things are privileges and not rights. You don't have the right to drive sure. around, and you certainly don't have the right to injure someone else with your vehicle because it's in an unsafe condition. You know, I had a guy come in one time, and the ball joint stood broke on his car. Right. We got to checking, and the hole in the spindle had wallowed out because someone had left it loose, and that's what caused the break. And I said, well, you have to replace the spindle and the ball joint. Well, I don't want to do that. That's a lot of money. I said, well, I'm sorry, but that's That's the way it has to to be be done. Well, I'll just change the ball joint. Well, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it because it's not right because when the other one breaks, you got lucky on this one. You just lost control, ran in a ditch. The next one, you may run into a family of five and— who knows what so i'm certainly not going to do it and i advise you not to try to do that right and of course he towed the car off so i'm not sure what happened beyond that under law auto mechanic does not have the right to tell somebody they can't do something if they want to do it on their own exactly you have the right to say i can't do it i won't do it i won't yeah but if they towed the car out and go somewhere else where then, maybe they don't check as close yeah then who, who knows? knows yeah hopefully it'll get caught somewhere along the line but just kind of the difference between rights and privileges. And there are certain things you are expected to do. You have the privilege to drive this car, but you have to make sure it's safe to for all the other folks who are on the road. You, know, you can't drive 100 miles an hour. You have to drive the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> or less. <laughs> or less. Hey, take one last quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr.
3: Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out? Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on some maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future they can even catch small issues that can lead to big expensive problems down the road an agco general inspection huh oh one more thing doc could you tell me where i can find this toilet paper i've heard wonderful things about it here's agco's number and the name of another store that may ship some tp straight to your cave thanks doc get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today
0: at agco automotive agco it's the place to go Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altersan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? We still have some time. number is 291-6901. And you can use the area code 225 if you've got a long-distance call. Mm-hmm. There you go. And, and that'll get you right onto it. Almost everybody has free long distance these days. Yeah. So yeah. it really doesn't cost you a whole bunch. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm down out of cell phones. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm making statements out of school here. Yeah, you know, we were talking just a little bit a second ago about different types of repair and stuff. And one thing that you always have to make clear to a repair shop when you go in for a repair is what are your plans for this vehicle? Right. What, because, what are you fixing to do with it? Are you fixing to trade this car in? You just got to get it put back together so you can go trade it in and get another one? Are you fixing to, you know, have this car fixed? you drive it once a week? Or yep. car, you need this car fixed because you drive it every day? And you just want a truck, but you really use it about once a month, and it never gets over 30 miles an hour. And if it breaks, it ain't that big of a deal. Well, that's going to require a different repair strategy from the guy who says, I want to keep this car forever. I want it to last. I don't want it to break down. Most quality repair shops are going to suggest the overall lowest repair. Sure. We're going to spend more money up front because it's going to be cheaper in the long run. But now let's say there's not going to be a long run for this car. I'm only going to keep this car one more month. Mm -hmm. I've gone to work for a company that's going to give me a new car. My new car hasn't come in. As soon as I get it, I'm dumping this car. All I want is to run today. You have to tell them that because they're not going to assume that. They're going to assume that you want to fix the car properly, and they're going to make that recommendation to you. Now, if you wanted something different from that, you need to discuss that with the service advisor to where he can make a recommendation based on your usage, the way right. that you're going to use the car. Now, the other side of the coin is if your situation changes and this goes wrong, you cannot hold the shop responsible. You can say, well, I just came here and I spent $200 and now it's broke again. Okay, but that's because we told you you needed $2,000. And you elected to only do 200 Two hundred it, of it. to keep You it going. made the choice. So you assume the responsibility for what is going to happen. Right. Just know that going in. Sometimes that is the right choice to make. Sure. In the example that I gave a second ago. In a case where you've got a car, we've got a gentleman, and he's got a few cars. His wife's car he maintains impeccably. Right. His car he maintains very well. But he's got an old truck that sits at his farm. Occasionally he uses it. It's nice to have this truck there, but if it doesn't run, he can go get a tractor and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. He just has it there. So he's going to just strictly patch this thing together. Right, That makes sense for him it's no sense going in and fixing a whole lot of stuff you know i think the gas gauge doesn't work and some other things well he just when he puts gas in it he writes down the mileage He's got a right. little sticker sticky note there when well, he hardly, hardly is, ever leaves the farm yeah, hardly ever leaves the farm anyway so it's not a big deal even if it runs out of gas he walks back to the farmhouse gets it's a gas with some gas pours it in there yeah he can operate under a very very different set of circumstances with that vehicle with that vehicle then a guy who uses this to get to work every day, he's responsible for it. Maybe he has a young driver or his wife or someone driving a the car. Then he has to have a totally different set of criteria for fixing a car. Right. Now, also when you make decisions about things like that, you have to remember there are certain lines that you can't cross. A shop is not going to cross, certain or should never. Should never if they got any right. sense. One of those, of course, is legality. You mm-hmm. cannot do anything illegal. I cannot take the catalytic converter off your car. I can't disarm the airbags. I can't disarm the tire-mounted monitoring system, right. turn the light off, because that is illegal. I can't modify the software that operates the car. guy came to me the other day. He says, this displacement on demand on these Chevy pickups, it gives a lot of trouble. I said, well, I wouldn't yeah. say it gives a lot of trouble. It gives some trouble. Usually people don't change it all-off enough. He said, well, I'd like to have it disabled. I heard that it can be done. I said, well, it can be done by reprogramming the computer. However, that is illegal on a road-driven vehicle. Right. Now, off-road. Off-road. If you got different. a race car, you can do what you want. But if you have a vehicle high- operated on the highway, then it can't be done because it's illegal. He said, well, I understand there shops that do it. Well, it may be. I mean, there are people who sell illicit drugs, too. Yeah. you know That doesn't mean it's legal. A legitimate shop is not going to do that. Another thing is something that relates to safety. A legitimate shop is not going to do a safety-related thing, especially if it concerns the public safety. Right. You may have a right to decide what you want to do with your car, but when you put it on a public highway, it involves more than you. Everyone around you. Everyone around you. We had people who come to us, and they've got a car, and the tires look very good, but let's say they're 10 years old, and they want you to repair a flat on one of the tires. Yeah, and not they, not, I'm not, not going to do it. it because the tire is not safe it's not safe to be operated it needs to be replaced well, i'm not well, i don't want to replace the tire well i understand that but i'm not going to it. repair a 10 year old tire have it blow out and kill somebody number one i don't have that kind of liability insurance and number two i just couldn't live with myself if i did exactly. i'm telling you the tire needs to be replaced another example again with tires is you get a person coming with an all-wheel drive vehicle mm-hmm. he may have bought it doesn't really understand what all-wheel drive is tires are getting thin got maybe 20 percent of rubber left on it one tire gets blown he wants to put one new tire on it he can't do that well the company that makes the car says you have to replace these tires as a set Mm -hmm. because when you put one new tire that tire is going to be taller than the other three it's going to be spinning faster and it's going to end up burning your differential up right so that's not so much a safety concern as it is just hey it's going to cost you a bunch more money if you don't do it right you know another example let's say you're doing a brake service on the car and you notice the rotors are warped not warped that bad. I'm going to recommend that we replace the rotors right now. Sure. The reason being, I've got the pads off. The rotor's right there. I can slip it off, put a new one on. There's no extra charge for me to do it. And the, the customer may say, well, it's not that bad. Okay. Well, if you want to live with it, that's your call. You can. But if it gets worse down the road, we got to do this whole job over again. Exactly. It's got to come completely apart. Right now, it's just the price of the rotor. So that's a recommended service, not a required service. I can do that if that's the charge you make. But Again, if it gets worse down the road and you get charged for a whole other break, so right, you, can't you can't come back to the shop get and get aggravated at the shop for doing it, that was a choice you made. Sure. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. we got to start winding on up, get ready to get on out of here. i like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, find your favorite broadcast service or whatever that might be. Find a written review and fill it out for us wherever you listen to the program. And if you fill those reviews out, it's going to move us up in the rankings. So when people type in a generic term like auto repair, we'll come up close to the top. More people can listen, more people listen, longer we can do the show. There you go. Nobody's listening, they're going to shut us off. (laughs) Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.